We're rounding out March and kicking off April this week, and it's spring break time for several of us here at Commerce Code. We'll be back next week to catch up on some of the news in digital commerce, but today we're going to cut straight to the main topic, a conversation between two Digital Commerce Alliance board members and very experienced hands in the world of digital commerce. In this edition of Commerce Code, Diversity in Digital Commerce, a conversation between Silvio Tavares and Tim DeSoto. Today on the show, we've got a reprise performance from Silvio Tavares, longtime Commerce Code host and chair of the DCA Board of Directors. Silvio is joined today by Tim DeSoto of Walmart Sam's Club. Tim led e-commerce mergers and acquisitions for Walmart out in the Bay Area starting in 2016, and now he's head of membership programs, partnerships, and innovation for Sam's Club. Hey, Tim, how are you? Great. How are you doing, Silvio? I'm doing awesome. And where am I speaking to you today? Where are you? I'm here in sunny San Bruno, California. Right. San Bruno. That is, I think, the California headquarters for Sam's Club and maybe Walmart.com. Am I right about that? That's correct. And I can almost see the uh, DCA office from where I'm sitting right now. Yeah. I'm just really excited to talk to you about diversity in digital commerce. I'm not sure if everybody realizes this, but commerce and specifically digital commerce relies heavily on diversity to be successful. I know that in addition to leading innovation and partnerships at Sam's Club, which is a unit of the world's largest merchant, Walmart, you are also vice chair of the Latinx network at Walmart. And there's a huge Latino workforce at Walmart in the warehouses, in the stores. Can you give me a sense of this? How many Latinos work at Walmart and what is their impact on the workforce and Walmart's success in digital commerce? Yes, Silvio. As you know, Walmart is the largest private employer in the world. And so we employ a lot of people and we call them associates instead of employees. As we look at this last year in our mid-year report, almost 17.7% of our workforce identified as Latinx. And if you look at promotions from hourly to management, 17.4% of those were for Latinx associates. And so when we look at it, Latinos represent a significant portion of our associates and our customer base. Having Latinx representation in our stores and corporate offices allows us to better connect with our Latino customers and communities and gives us more diverse viewpoints in management that leads to better outcomes. And of course, in the U.S., also in California, the largest state in the U.S., which accounts for about 15% of the GDP of the whole country, just the one state of California, Latinos are the fastest growing group and the largest single ethnic group. And as you point out, they're a big part of your customer base, but they're also a big part of your employee or associate base. And a lot of senior business leaders are thinking about like, how can you increase your workforce diversity? But they often think about like a false choice, right? Between on the one hand, increasing workforce diversity, and on the other, hitting business results and growing profitability. Do you think businesses really need to choose one or the other? Or maybe are those objectives fundamentally aligned? 
I think those objectives are fundamentally aligned. The, the case for diversity, equity, and inclusion in business and society is widely documented and goes well beyond fairness and justice. Numerous studies have shown that diverse, inclusive businesses tend to outperform their peers as they attract and retain talent. They foster innovation. They better reflect the complex character of their customers and communities they serve. And for us at Walmart, we aim to advance diversity, equity, inclusion within our company and society, right? We're focused on creating a more diverse, inclusive team at every level, fostering culture. We strive to use our business and philanthropic resources to address drivers of systemic disparities in society, seeking to contribute to a collective movement to advance equity for all. So this is not just about Latinos. It's really about everybody. The reality is the demographics of the United States and many developed nations is changing rapidly. So for example, in California, where we are both based, California is majority minority, which is to say that African-Americans, Asian-Americans, and Latinos make up more than 50% of the population. I think it's about 58% of the population. And the trends are that, you know, basically in 25, 28 years, that's going to be the entire United States. And part of the reason for that is that the U.S. census showed that Latino, African-American, Asian-American populations are growing much more rapidly, and they tend to be much younger than the average U.S. population. And I kind of think about my kids and the fact that like they are much more tech savvy than I am. And I'm a technologist. That's what I do for a living. But how does that play out in terms of technology capabilities for a highly digital business like Sam's Club in terms of that minority population actually being much younger? Is it an asset? And how do you harness that digital savvy, digital native aspect of your diverse workforce and customer base? If you look at it, technology's gone from being a great supporting cast member in our business to taking center stage in many instances and in other instances, working backstage. In like a mobile first environment, people are discovering brands, topics, et cetera, on TikTok, the gram, using their phones to make omni-channel purchases. You know, we're constantly innovating to find more ways to serve our members and customers where they are and how they shop and how they want to shop. And so at center stage is Scan and Go, a mobile app feature which allows our members to scan items as they shop in our clubs and skip the checkout lines by making purchases through the app. And then we focus on enabling convenient curbside pickup of items. We allow ordering for items shipped to home from the comfort of their couch. We want to make sure that we're leveling up the experience for our members every which way we can. Meanwhile, backstage, we have a mix of machine learning, algos, mobile apps, and other tech that allow our associates to manage logistics more efficiently and spend more time with our members. Having a diverse, younger population that are digital mobile natives as both members and customers and associates will help shape the next act of the story. And we welcome them to join us and help write it together. That is awesome. Walmart is the largest private employer in the United States, and it's also the largest merchant in the United States. It's got to be one of the top e-commerce merchants as well. So this issue around diversity, both in the employee base and in the customer base, is a really big issue for Walmart. So what are like your foundational principles? Like, How do you think about diversity and inclusion for the Walmart business, which is you know one of the largest businesses in the world? As I mentioned earlier, right, Sam's Club and Walmart are truly focused on driving inclusion, diversity, equity. It all stems from one of our company values, respect for the individual. 
we're focused on how we can help across all facets of the business. You might not know, but Walmart and Walmart Foundation committed to $100 million over five years to the walmart.org Center for Racial Equity. When we look toward our suppliers in 2020, Walmart sourced more than $13 billion in goods and services from almost 3,000 diverse suppliers. When we look at our members and our customers, we continue to make products and services accessible to them that we know are important at those times. During COVID, turning our parking lots into places where we could provide the COVID-19 vaccine. And then with our associates, we know it's not only important to welcome and engage them, but provide opportunities for growth. So on average, entry-level associates advance to positions of greater responsibility and higher pay within seven months. These are a few of the things that we're doing to try and help drive this inclusion, diversity, and equity, not just within our organization, but throughout our communities. And as we look to grow in the future, we're excited to bring on even more diverse talent to help us drive that forward. Really exciting. You know, our listeners can't see us because we're on a podcast, but they might not know that I'm actually African-American and you are Hispanic, Latino-American. And I reflect back on my own career and I've been in technology and fintech my whole career. I'm the chairman of the Digital Commerce Alliance and I'm also president CEO of Vantage Score. And my reflection is, is that usually when I walk into a boardroom in a big tech company or at a bank or a fintech, there really aren't that many people that look like me or have a name that sounds like mine. I'm assuming you've had a similar experience. And I'd just love to know, like on a personal note, how has your ethnic background impacted your career as a leading executive in digital commerce? We both have similar backgrounds of being one of a few in the organizations that we work with. But it all starts, I think, with kind of the context and the lens of our experiences and learnings growing up. As you know, I'm Mexican, Mexican and Puerto Rican, and grew up like many Latinos in the Southwest. Our schools and our neighborhoods had limited access to resources. So I learned to be creative, strategic, and resourceful early, right? I traded my government-funded lunch for toys on the yard, creating a market for transformers, GoBots, marbles, et cetera. (laughs) It was um, great until my mom found all the toys in my room and thought I was stealing them and told me to take them back. But I was fortunate that even though we grew up with little money, we grew up rich with love culture and values. I learned very quickly that if you're a giving person, if you've got great family values and values that think about others and how to serve others, it will take you a long way to be able to help in the boardroom and in your community to create new pathways for others. I think that's something that is upon all of us to do as we reach new heights is to be able to go out, be able to share these stories, and then turn back, help others move forward, and to continue to create even bigger pathways for more people to come. I imagine your mom knew at that moment you were going to be a senior Walmart executive. You had sort of merchandising in your blood there, it sounds like. Tim, what an inspirational leader you are. And it was just such a pleasure to be in conversation with you about this very, very important topic of diversity and digital commerce. Great to spend time with you and looking forward to seeing you at upcoming Digital Commerce Alliance conferences. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Silvio. That's Tim DeSoto, Head of Loyalty and Partnerships for Sam's Club, speaking to us from San Bruno, California. Coming right up, the importance of diversity when the stakes are really high.
there's been a lot of analysis in the last decade or so of how diversity makes organizations more effective. Many studies have looked at whether diverse boards or management teams are more effective. The conclusion generally is that more diverse teams are better at achieving their goals, the inference being that diverse teams represent a wider range of perspectives, and that leads to better decisions. So how does that work exactly? I think it's important to know. One answer comes from something called Cockpit Resource Management, or CRM. CRM is something NASA and commercial airlines have studied closely since the 1970s to understand how flight captains and crews make good decisions, and tragically, how they sometimes make bad ones. Some of the insights from CRM are fascinating. To level set on this topic, commercial aircraft are insanely safe. If you were trying to be in a commercial airplane crash, you would need to fly every day for 6,000 years before, on average, you would be expected to be involved in a crash that involved at least one fatality. Say what you will about airlines, their safety record is incredible. I create more lethal risk cutting vegetables for dinner than Delta does when it puts 300 people in a pressurized tube and shoots them from New York to Los Angeles at 530 miles an hour. It's amazing. But, as we saw last week in China, tragically, crashes still happen. And there are basically two kinds. The first, call it a type 1 crash, is where the plane has a problem and the crew can't fix it. And it crashes. The second, call it type 2, is where the pilot thinks the plane has a problem that it doesn't actually have. The pilot tries to fix that problem, and that causes a crash. So, for example, the pilot thinks the plane is going too fast, so he slows down and causes the plane to stall. The real problem there was a broken airspeed indicator. What the pilot needed was to correctly understand the problem. When commercial flights crash these days, and they so rarely do, it's often a type 2 crash. The pilot was solving the wrong problem. Okay, what does this have to do with diversity? Experts who study those flight recorders, those black boxes, have known since the 1980s that the captain's leadership style is the root cause of many crashes. There are at least two people in a commercial cockpit, sometimes three or even four. Flight recorders often show that one of the co-pilots knew the captain was solving the wrong problem. They usually try to say something, but if we're recovering a black box, it means the pilot didn't listen or didn't listen until it was too late. It can also mean the co-pilot was too deferential, even on a life and death matter. These behaviors might seem surprising, but they're especially common in crisis situations. The pilot takes on a command and control posture, in effect saying, I'm in charge here, back off. The co-pilots know the stakes are high, but a lifetime of deference to superiors holds them back. So here's the connection to diversity. Correctly framing a problem is by far the most important step in solving it. And diverse teams are better at correctly framing problems because they see things from more and more different perspectives. But, and to me this is really the key, the senior person in the room needs to empower the team to speak up when they have a dissenting view. Great leadership is listening to those voices, especially when the stakes are high, which is to say, especially when the leader is tempted to grab control of the airplane and shut everybody else out. I really think this is how high-performing teams work, and I'm sure it's a big part of why diverse teams perform so well. The moral of the cockpit resource management story is that, yes, we need a diverse team, but that's not the whole thing. Most importantly, we need to listen to each other. we got to take it in, question our assumptions, and make sure we're solving the right problem especially when the stakes are high.
To find out more about the latest trends in digital commerce and digital advertising, check out our website, www.digcomall.org. For the Digital Commerce Alliance, take care of yourself and take care of each other. God bless. This is Dan Carell signing off. Thank you.